All right, what's up, everybody? Uh, this is kind of a new format. We're gonna try these like shorter, bite-sized episodes when some like breaking news happens. We're gonna call them "Law in the Limelight" lime slices, like you know, lime slices, little slices of news. Uh, so they're gonna be like quick, 10, 15 minute episodes. Uh, remember, this is presented to you by Paulatory Law Group. It's a law group where we all work. If you want to check out our contact information and uh, uh, hit us up, send us a message, give us a call. Go to paulatorylawgroup.com. That information will be in the bio and in the description for the video. Today, we're going to be talking about the breaking news that happened yesterday with Scarlett Johansson filing suit against Disney for breach of contract. I put a quick video on my TikTok yesterday. Um, but, like, just I'm on her side because it looks like it It makes sense. I don't know if you are on her side, Max. I'm. I yeah, I'm on like Scarlett's side. Yeah. Uh, it, it it makes sense why she's filing suit. So real quick, just to catch everybody up, she's filing suit against Disney for breach of contract for releasing the Marvel movie Black Widow on Disney Plus and in theaters at the same time. So in the lawsuit, it basically states that um, a conversation between her and Marvel and Disney, she felt like her contract guaranteed her exclu an exclusive theatrical release like all the other marvel movies uh and part of that argument is that dis by releasing the movie on disney plus that funnels audiences to the streaming app allowing the company to grow its subscriber base and boosted stock price and in turn this is all just increasing the financial bonuses that the disney executives are making on the back end the front end on all ends of the deal but this is all at johansson's expense because her compensation a large part of her compensation is based on the box office performance of the movie right um so real quick max give us uh can you give us a little bit of insight i know you've done some work in this area on what that like let's put it into context for people of the contingency and what that actually means what she's talking about yeah absolutely so you know just like any anybody else who's working on a film or working on any you know major project like this every lead actor the you know top line talent in a film is signing on to the production company that's producing that film under what's known as an acting services agreement or something with a similar sort of title and in the compensation section of those contracts there's often at least two sometimes more uh, different clauses that address different aspects of that actor's compensation. So the first one and, you know, arguably the one that really seals the deal is the fixed compensation, um, which is how much is that person getting either per day, per week, or for the entire production, however everybody agrees to structure it. Um, and that in and of itself will vary depending on, you know, the role that that actor is playing. But the fixed compensation, like I said, is either a flat weekly rate or a flat daily rate or just sort of a, a lump sum, right? And so, uh, you know, on a project I worked on a couple of years ago, there were some fairly well-known actors signed to a small budget film and they basically were, were given fixed compensation of $100,000 each. And it was pretty straightforward. It was $50,000 up front uh available immediately upon execution of the agreement and then the remaining fifty thousand dollars upon the commencement of the actor's services so as soon as they actually show up on set and start shooting is when they earn the other half of it now 
In this particular film, the lead actors didn't get any contingent compensation. Again, it was a very small budget film, but the director actually did. So when you go into his agreement, you see that there's a fixed compensation section. And then below that, there's a section that talks about contingent compensation. And this one was pretty simple. So it was pretty straightforward and just said that the director's getting 5% out of the defined net proceeds of the film. And, and this contract pretty much leaves it at that. But when you're talking about someone as big as Scarlett Johansson and, and a film as big as Black Widow and even more important, a production company as big as Marvel, who's now owned by Disney, um, these contracts are going to be a lot more involved and there's going to be a lot more detail built in. And so the other factor that comes in in the contingent compensation section of the contract is that it's not usually as simple as, okay, you're just going to get whatever percent of net proceeds. Instead, what film companies do is they release their films according to certain what we call distribution windows. And so they'll say, first, it's going to go out to theaters and you'll get paid based on the box office performance. And when it's someone like Scarlett Johansson, who is one of the major reasons that people are buying tickets in the first place, her contingent compensation based on box office proceeds is almost treated like a bonus, or at least that's sort of how it's characterized, because the expectation is that the film will do well. But of course, if it doesn't, the compensation is structured in such a way where you know, she only gets paid if the numbers reach a certain amount or something along those lines. Now, we're not privy to Scarlett Johansson's contract itself. So we're, we're kind of using our industry knowledge to uh, make our best guess of some of these things. But when we're talking about those distribution windows, you know, 2019 and previous, basically anytime before March of 2020, um, film companies use these distribution windows all the time and it was always theatrical first and then some kind of you know premium home access next and then after that some kind of more general home access so you know before the streaming era we all know we would have sort of a couple weeks to wait between the time a film left the theaters and it would start showing up at blockbuster or your you know local movie rental place and then there was usually a little bit of a delay even after that before the film was available for for you to actually buy a copy yourself. And and that's that's been standard industry practice for a very long time. And then COVID really changed things dramatically. Right. So, you know, the distribution windows used to really separate theatrical from home video. But then when all the theaters shut down, all these production company said, well, we need to get these films out there. We need them to be making money and we need to try to recover uh, the kind of big splash type money that an opening weekend at a box office gets. And I can understand why a company would be making that at the company level. But where it gets tricky is when these changes affect these very intricate compensation structures in the contracts, not only for Scarlett Johansson, but for every lead actor in every major film that came out through Disney last year, through HBO Max last year, all that stuff. I mean, 
Warner got into some hot water when they announced that they were going to do basically all of their theatrical releases Mm -hmm. through HBO Max simultaneously because directors were concerned about what how that would affect their contingent compensation lead actors were concerned i think i if i remember correctly christopher nolan uh spoke out pretty pretty yeah loudly about um warner's decision to yeah release through hbo max yeah and uh, uh i was so telling you kind of saw that, this coming in a sense yeah you know? and i think it's going to continue because we saw with warner gal gadot and patty jenkins were paid 10 million each after Warner Brothers decided to release Wonder Woman 1984 simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters back in December 2020. And then also Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake were were paid extra monies after Universal released Trolls Worldwide, uh, the little singing Trolls movie. They released oh, that know. on video. I, on I demand. watched it multiple times when it came it out. Was, it was actually really good. It was actually really good. Uh, they released that on demand, video on demand in 2020 <clears throat> instead of in theaters. So they had to pay them extra. And I could see where people, I could see where like the layperson is like, well, she's making $20 million. She's getting paid $20 million. Like, like what's, what's the big deal? The big deal here is holding these companies accountable for the contracts because they're, they're using they're trying not to adhere to a contract that was signed and agreed upon contract between two parties. So it's not necessarily that she was paid millions and millions of dollars already. It was that they're not adhering to the contract. And this could set a standard for future to say like, Oh, well, Scarlett was cool with it. Then (laughs) you should be cool with it. Like, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Right. Yeah. Let's not create an industry culture where it's okay for Disney to just be breaching its biggest contracts. Because if they're going to do that, Scarlett Johansson, without accountability, then you know they're just going to steamroll over anybody smaller than that. So it's, you know, I can see as a layperson, like, all right, you got your 20 million. Do you really need an extra five? But it's more about the principle, right? I mean, this is a breach of contract and that kind of thing really should be, should be enforced or else, you know, exactly like you're saying, we're just going to see, you know, yeah, it's uh, not necessarily take advantage of it. It's like all of you should put on your, put on your business hat and and act like it's your business and you're doing a deal with Disney. How would you feel if they, they just changed the structure of the deal? Right without telling you communicating with you or like at least coming back to the table to negotiate because it they she does say that they were worried about johansson's representatives were worried about the simultaneous release of the theater and streaming as far back as 2019 but chief counsel for marvel basically assured them don't worry it's going to be released like all the other mcu fans uh mcu films and then when they found out that it was going to be simultaneously released streaming and theater, they tried to come to the table to negotiate. But as we can see, they came to no resolve. Yeah. Uh, well, it was interesting, too. I mean, this is all based on what's in the complaint. And so there are allegations that are not necessarily confirmed yet. But, you know, theaters started reopening a couple months ago. And so production companies started saying, well, we can kind of maybe start getting back to our pre 2020 distribution plans. Right. And 
Marvel explicitly told Scarlett Johansson that this would be a theatrical release. I assume, you know, with the implication being that streaming release was going to come later, sort of going back to that distribution window model of doing things. And that's right. really the issue is, is they explicitly said we're going to do it this way, but then they just went back to doing the simultaneous thing without apparently without keeping her in the loop. Right. And if you really take, if you take a 30,000 foot view of it, not even really a 30,000 foot view of it, it's just kind of in plain sight. Anything before black widow, when it comes to Marvel was all theatrical release. Black Widow gets the the dual release on Disney Plus. The what is it that just came out? Jungle Cruise with The Rock is going to be uh, simultaneously released, and I wouldn't be surprised if something comes out of that as well. And then after this, everything else is going to go back to just straight uh, theatri- theatrical releases. They got The Eternals, Spider Man No Way Home. Doctor Strange Multiverse, Thor Love and Thunder, Black Panther, The Marvels, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Fantasy of Fantastic Four. Like, they got all these other movies that are going to come out, theatrical release. And I could totally see where Scarlet's like, well, shit, like, why do I get, like, how do I get the dual release? And if you look at the numbers, uh, it kind of looks like it has affected her because her numbers for the Black Widow film have fallen to the bottom of the heap. Um, the film made a little bit over $150 million in the first three weeks of its release. And Disney finally, re- they never report how much they make on the, uh, they've made on the Disney plus releases, except for this one. It made 60 million on the Disney plus premiere access on the opening weekends. Previous Marvel films average making a hundred million dollars in the opening weekend in just ticket sales. Uh, yeah, that's a big and change. Over the run of their theatrical runs, the over their theatrical releases, they make average a billion dollars, nearly a billion dollars. So she's like way at the bottom of that heap right now, yeah. as far as making money. Well, so in, for for those listeners who aren't fully aware of this, my understanding is that for the most part, the money in streaming doesn't necessarily come from each time the film is played from start to finish. The money in streaming comes from selling subscriptions. Mm-hmm. So Disney is really making its money by getting more people to sign up yeah. for the service. And that's where they point that out in the suit. Like they right, that exactly. point in the suit. And and so and there's there's kind of there's kind of two different things going on here, right? Like for one, obviously on the customer end, if you can go see a movie at theater in theaters for $13, $14 a person, plus you got to drive over there, you got to catch it at a screening time, all these different things, which, you know, are not annoying. It's just that's that's part of what it is. And then, you know, if if it's you and your family, you're talking about four or five people, you know, that's a that's a pretty expensive way to see right. a movie, whereas you stay at home you pay $9.99 for an entire month of Disney Plus and you could cram 30 people into your house and they could all watch it together for that same price, right? Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense why, for one, you saw box office numbers nowhere close 
to what they normally would be, right? Because people are going to make that choice, um, especially, you know, if it's starting to look like in some parts of the country, maybe it's not as good idea to go to theaters and right. we don't know if things are going to shut down again and everything like that. Um, and then the other thing that's happening is that and I'm not entirely sure why Disney would want to do this, but evidently they wanted to drive more people to sign up for Disney plus than they wanted the ticket sales from this, this film. Yeah. It's a I little mean, strange that they, that they only did that to this film and all the other Marvel films coming down the pipeline are not going to be doing that. Um, so, so it makes me wonder reading, if there's something particular about this film that I was reading some additional information about it. And somebody did a breakdown of, uh, all of the like the top executives at Disney where like what their bonuses look like when the stocks go up. I've got to find it. We'll do it in a later episode because it's kind of mathy. I went to law school, so I didn't have to do math. Um, it's really mathy. But the argument in the suit is, hey, Disney is driving people to the app to increase the stock price, to increase like to focus more on their own bonuses than allowing the ticket box office sales to financially benefit you know the actors and the and the directors but disney i don't know if you saw the uh the response disney put out a response uh late yesterday early today and they basically said this is all quote there is no merit whatsoever to this filing the lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Disney has fully complied with Ms. Johansson's contract, and furthermore, the release of Black Widow and Disney Plus with Premier Access has significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the $20 million she has received to date. So, enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation. That sounds to me like the classic entertainment industry line of we'll give you great exposure. <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. Yes. So are they hey, saying hey, that exposure. the premium access on Disney Plus is also connected to a contingent compensation clause in her contract? Because that I could see being another moneymaker, right? So they're not right. only selling those subscriptions, but for the simultaneous release films only, when you're on Disney Plus, it's like, yeah, you've got this $9.99 subscription. If you want to buy a $25 subscription, though, we'll get you the movies that are coming out this weekend, right? Yeah. And so I, I think I remember seeing that with a couple films a few months ago that when I was just browsing around on Disney Plus, it was like, oh, that looks cool. Oh, I'm not going to spend that money on that. Yeah, you got to spend um, an extra 30 bucks. yeah. So I'm wondering if that factors in at all because that's limited to only certain films. But then again, it's still a subscription fee. And my guess is that Disney doesn't really allow money from subscription fees to factor in right. to an artist's contingent compensation right. section of the agreement. Right? right. Like that is more about how does the film itself perform, not how does the production company that's putting on the film perform. The corporation, exactly. Right. All right. So, well. so one thing that's interesting here too, just some context, I guess, is Scarlett's been working with Marvel for 11 years now. 
Her right. first Black Widow appearance was in Iron Man 2 in 2010. And that was as the Black Widow character. And then in 2019, Marvel announced that she was getting her own film. So this is the first time she's had her own film as this character. And I don't know. I don't want to speculate too much, but it seems a little too coincidental that this is her first lead role and they decide to handle it differently than how they've done the other Marvel films. Right. I don't know what's going on there. There's probably right. a lot more behind the scenes than we really even know. But I don't know. man, for her to have been involved in this studio for this long and then for them to do that for this film, just there's something that looks a little fishy to me. Yeah, it does. <laughs> in terms of their motives, you know, I mean, the legal action is what it is. If it's a breach of contract that gets rectified, great. But just, uh, you know, as someone who works in the industry, I'm always curious, like, what's the real story behind what's right, going right. on here? Right, exactly. Well, all right, guys, that's our episode of Lime Slices. Uh, hit the like button, subscribe, leave a comment, let us know. Do you agree with Scarlett Johansson? Do you agree with Disney? Where do you stand? If it were you, if it was your movie, if you were starring in Black Widow, would you be suing Disney? Huh? Let us know. All right, remember. Check out Polytory.com if you want to reach out to us. Uh, PolytoryLawGroup.com if you want to reach out to us. Uh, we'll see you guys next time for a full episode and or another slice of lime. <laughs> yes. I'm Winton Yates. I'm Max Haas. Have a we'll great day, everyone. Time.